Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. La da 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 da. Charleston was once the rage, huh?
and on Facebook. This is a show that is brought to you by the Human Solution International and me, Joe Grumbine, the recently elected CEO and president of the organization. But most importantly, I'm one of the founders, and uh, the organization is something that is very near and very dear to me. And we're going to talk about that. We just had our elections. We have a new board seated. And uh, we're going to get to meet some of the new members of the board, hopefully. And we're going to talk about some fundamentals today. We're going to talk about some actions that we do, that we've done. And hey, Sarah, we're going to talk about a new chapter that's popped up in Kansas. Exciting times. We're live in Kansas again. And we're going to be talking about um, a couple of new chapters that are on their way of popping up in Florida. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, the East Coast is representing much heavier than the West Coast. Four years ago, California had, oh, I don't know, seven or eight chapters. Uh, Oregon had three chapters. Washington had five chapters. And um, today we have, hey, Chris, how's it going? Today we have one or two chapters in California because we reduced it to that to be more effective. We now have one chapter in each state that we have a chapter. It turned out it was better to be consolidated than to uh, uh, have a lot of small chapters or some small ones and some big ones. One of the things that you have to realize about the human solution, at our core, <clears throat> we are revolutionaries. What I mean by that is we have the same spirit that the individuals that liberated this part of the world from the British islands back in almost 250 years ago. We have that same spirit, and the spirit is this, that we're born with certain rights that were bestowed upon us by our Creator. However you see that to be isn't my issue. The issue is that we have basic civil and human rights that we all have. And your rights don't get to infringe on mine, and mine don't get to infringe on yours. And that means, if you look at the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, the first ten amendments, um, look at the whole damn Constitution, for, for God's sake. It's, it's got, it outlines a lot of what that means. It's certainly not a bulletproof document by any stretch, but it's held up pretty strongly over time, and most people agree that if it's held to its spirit, it's a pretty valuable testament to those rights. We are not a political organization. I want to be painfully clear about that. We are not a 501c4. We are not a lobby organization, and we are not a liberal Democrat organization, and we are not a conservative Republican organization, and we're not even a libertarian organization. We're an organization, a grassroots organization of human beings that have come together because we've recognized some wrongs that are happening in this world, and they're happening across all political lines, 
I've been a voter since 1984, and I've watched the political spectrum swing from far right to far left and back again. And the same bullshit has continued to happen, and every single president has been guilty of the same shit, and I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about civil rights, human rights, and what we can do to work together to accomplish those things. And on some level, we're going to talk about the things that keep those things from happening. We still live in an oppressive world, and we don't have the right to grow cannabis, to consume cannabis, to make things out of it, to process it, to ship it, to do whatever we want with it, which is the right we should have. We don't have it. And if we cross those lines, we get arrested, we have property seized, we get prosecuted, we get fined, we have all kinds of negative um, consequences for breaking these laws. The problem is these are bad laws, every single one of them. For almost five years now, I've been doing a radio show. I've been doing this radio show for about three years. And ever since I started, I have asked for anybody. Awesome, Chris. We need you. We need you. Good job. Sorry, I'm going to be talking to the YouTube channel because I can see it. Um, I don't see the Facebook channel yet. I'll be clicking onto that. And I don't mean to be derailed. I'm actually going to talk about focus and being effective a lot on this show today. Anyways, I did get derailed. God dang it. The point is, we are our own worst enemies. If we were to be effective and we were to put our differences aside and stand together and start fighting together for specified common goals, we would accomplish them. But I watch over and over again. For 10 years now, I've been on the front lines of this battle. And not that I haven't been on other front lines prior to that, but it's been about 10 years in this battle. I was behind the lines for another 20 years prior to that, before I thought the law protected me. And what I've noticed over and over again is that we are our own worst enemies. I have seen more divisive behavior happen from inside this so-called movement. I have watched comrades, brothers and sisters in arms. I have watched fellow activists cause more harm to each other than, frankly, I've seen law enforcement do to us. And I know that's a strong statement. When law enforcement hits us, they hit us hard, and they take everything, and they do everything they can to. And trust me, personally, I've been devastated more by law enforcement than by the movement. But if the movement had its way, and if I wasn't who I was, that wouldn't be the case. I've had more people in the movement attempt to cause me harm than law enforcement by a lot. And that's a sad state of affairs. I have st stood on stages all over the country and in other countries, well, in one other country, I should say. And I have had the same message for a long time, and the message is simply this. If we were to put our differences aside, for I'd say about six months, 
and make the decision to work together regardless of what the other one believed about anything and set some clear goals and set out to accomplish those goals in a meaningful way and stop being distracted by every little distraction that's out there, we would leave a footprint. We would be able to execute some actions that would continue on and ultimately mean the end of prohibition. And I don't mean a tax and regulate. Oh, I know what I was getting to. For 10 or for five years, I've been asking publicly for anybody to come on this show and explain to me why does this plant need to be taxed and regulated? Why does it need to be taxed and regulated? And not one person yet has come onto this show with an effective argument. I've had some people that were supposed to come on the show, but they never did. Chicken. And I've had people, well, I mean, who knows? Maybe there's a legitimate reason why not. I just know that they haven't come on. And I'm not here to, to attack them unless you come on and try to explain this to me. And I will, I will, trust me, you come on the show and you tell me what you're thinking about why we need to be taxed and regulated and prepare to walk out limping and bloody because that's what will happen. There is no reason that this plant needs to be taxed and regulated any more than any other plant on the planet. I just went to a nursery today, and I spent some money on some plants that are going to go in my garden. And as I was looking at those plants, I come to realize that more than one of them, if I was to eat them or make a tincture out of them and drink it, I would die. But those plants aren't regulated at all in any way, shape, or form. And they're not taxed other than our standard sales tax. And I thought about that. I thought from a scientific point of view, what is different about these plants and the cannabis plant? And the truth is nothing. There is no genetic difference between these plants on a, on a molecular level. If you were to look at their cell structure, if you were to look at their chemical makeup, um, you would realize that, yes, they are plants. And you wouldn't realize much more than that. So that's what this organization's about. And I've worked with a lot of organizations, and frankly, most organizations, especially nonprofits, when you get down to it, they're all about making money, all about raising money. And if you look at their body of work, generally speaking, you know, it, 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 it boils down to an attempt to change some kind of policy. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not here to fault other things. But in the last 80 years of us doing that, it hasn't worked. And every single law that we've passed, every single one is flawed. Because every single law that we've passed that allows for some limited uh, possession consumption, sales, transportation, whatever. It's always limited. And there's always a place at which the legal side ends and it becomes illegal again. Why are we okay with that? Why is that okay? What if I was to apply that to anything else that we hold dear? What if I was to hold that to women's voting rights? What if I was to hold that to men's property rights? What if I was to hold that to any human rights? and say, yeah, you can have it except for not anymore after that. You'd all be up in arms. What if I told women that they could uh, legally have an abortion if they did this, but not if they did that? I would be the devil, okay? Why is it that we're willing to sacrifice our rights? I just can't come up with a good reason. I don't have a good reason. 
So the human solution is dedicated to the notion that no one should go to jail for a plant ever. No one. We've got some cool new T-shirts that we have, and we're mostly going to give them away. So that's that's. If somebody wants to buy one, sure you can. But these are not a giant fundraiser. These are um, actually a gift. I I donated these to the Human Solution, and I want to give them away. I think it's um, it's a worthy message, and it's something that uh, I think if more of us were to focus on, I think we'd get closer to accomplishing these goals. And I have a whole lot more to say um, on my little so-called monologue, but I'm going to jump right into some of the meat and potatoes of this uh, show because I don't want to be left out in the cold um, and have to rush through anything. I, my, my monologues can always be brought up at any given time. Um, we have uh, some good announcements to be made, and uh, one of them is, again, we did have our elections. We have a new board seated, and... Um, we're going to have some meet the meet the new team interviews today and probably over the next several shows. So if you have been recently elected and you want to come on, give a call. Um, or if you happen to be sitting next to me, I'll give you a little time, <laughs> as the case might be. And um, um, we had something happen just before the elections, and one of the cases that we support is uh, a guy by the name of Lance Glore. And uh, Lance is sitting in federal prison right now. Hey, Glenn. And you will have shirts, absolutely. Um, Lance is serving a prison term right now in federal prison, and he was following the state law. And uh, in his trial, they did not allow uh, an evidentiary hearing. So his ability to present that never happened. And one of the things that happens in the appellate level and the Supreme Court level is called uh, an amicus brief. And uh, amicus means friend of the court. And it's something that the Human Solution as an organization has actually filed on behalf of uh, one one inmate. Um, And in this case, it was brought to... uh, the parents of the defendant's attention that if we could get a uh, representative, um, a congressman or a senator, to file an amicus, that it would carry some weight. And uh, they were able to get a congressman, Dana Rohrbacher, to uh, to do this. And the Human Solution was able to help facilitate this process by um, being part of the process. And although we were not named on the brief, um, we helped make it happen on a couple of levels. And, you know, when people talk about the human solution, our mission is to educate and support victims of the drug war. And we don't have limits to what we do. You know, one day we might be out there uh, talking to you on the phone because you just got busted one day we might be organizing a rally on your behalf. One day we might be sitting in a in a lawyer's office getting an amicus brief filed. Uh, one day we might be teaching people how to participate on some legislative process. Uh, there is not a limit to what we do as long as it fits into this mission. Um, 
but what you're not going to see us do is holding out a piece of paper saying, will you sign this so that we can change a lot. That's one thing we don't do. It's not, it, it thus far, in my opinion, has not been an effective route. Although I'm not saying it's not a good thing to do, and I'm not saying we shouldn't change our laws. I'm just saying that there's been a lot of people doing that for a long time, and in my opinion, we're not much closer to the end than um, we were many years ago, even though we're duped into believing that we are on many levels. Um, until they stop arresting us, until they stop seizing our property, until they stop um, keeping us in prison, show me the difference. Is the difference because some people get to do it and others don't? Um, last I checked, we were supposed to be afforded equal protection under the law. Equal protection under the law. And yet, it just doesn't seem that it works out that way. So, um, so that's one thing we do. Another thing that we do is we participate in a proactive way. And we have Mike Harris I'm going to bring up first. And uh, he's a longtime member and an advocate and former uh, board member. And, and I've been working with Mike for, geez, I, I think almost five years or so now. Um, he's been in many courtrooms and um, spoken at many uh, events participated on many levels, and he's, he's a true activist. And when I say that, I mean he's active. A lot of people are activists, and by that they mean they spend a lot of time on social media, and they type up their opinions, and they share things around, which I'm not saying is not a good thing. I'm not saying it's not effective. But there are other ways, and a lot of real-time things that people can do, and I watched Mike participate. And he was willing to participate in a civil lawsuit that was brought about, and he's going to explain this as many new members or new listeners to the show aren't familiar with this case. Um, but we've got uh, a couple of significant civil rights organizations and cannabis activist organizations that came together to bring a lawsuit about, and uh, there was just a hearing about this. So we're going to go ahead and bring up Mike, and he's going to, uh, first of all, give us a little background about the case and then tell us about what happened just this last week. Mike Harris, welcome to the show. Hey, Joe. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. How are you doing? Oh, no complaints. No complaints at all. Just uh, hanging out at the house. Um, well, as uh, your listeners may or may not know, that you know, Prop 64, once it was passed, it allowed cities to uh, regulate the home cultivation. And, you know, it's uh, under the land uses, so, you know, some cities uh, decided to default to the state and just go by them, and others that, say, have... Uh, uh, hired law firms for their city attorneys crafted their own uh, permit process. Um, the city I live in, Fontana, has the law firm of uh, Best Best and Krieger, the, and they represent uh, quite a few cities throughout uh, California. They, uh, their permit process for personal home get, uh, cultivation, which cannot be denied, current now under the California state constitution, 
um, for indoor growing, they can ban anything, but banning is no longer meaning regulation. So um, I was in disagreement with my city's uh, permit and the, what was on it in the process. So I spoke out at the planning commission when it was being discussed. And then uh, the city went ahead and moved it towards the uh, city council and they had several hearings, and then they voted on it. They made plenty of comments that uh, it was going to be a very um, restrictive regulation, and the point of having it was to deter as many people as possible. And um, sometime after that, well, this was all back, you know, back up a little bit. This was uh, prior to uh, November of uh, 2016. All of this was a preemptive uh, measure because California legislature had already passed uh, um, regulations that were going to allow commercial business, but they hadn't. They were just waiting for 64 to pass to whether or not they were going to fold their uh, bill into it. So, anyways, fast forward. Uh, Prop 64 passes with 57% of uh, the voters. Know, agreeing on it, and um, in the, the county and then in the city, it also passed a, a majority of voters. Uh, the mayor made a comment that it, it was it, dis, it was disgusting, you know, and that uh, the time to fight this thing was uh, after November 9th. She said that uh, the first city council meeting after uh, the election of 2016. So. Uh, I hear down the pipeline that uh, Drug Policy Alliance is looking for cities that are going to basically try to circumvent uh, their initiative, uh, Prop 64, the uh, Drug Policy Alliance or the coast of the initiative, and that they were going to, uh, they're looking for uh, cities that, you know, were, were bad actors and they were wanted to take input on it and were going to take action as uh, you know, how, how they seem uh, necessary. Anyways, that uh, I went ahead and um, the folks that I knew that uh, had an ear with uh, the DPA, I went ahead and sent them uh, the um, information on the pit permit, the actual permit itself and the, the ordinance. And then, you know, the, they, they looked it over and then um, I told them that, you know, I'd be willing to... Uh, uh, step forward if they were, you know, if I could get um, legal help in doing so. And so in April of uh, 2017, is that right? Yeah, 2017, um, the Drug Policy Alliance, well, Melvaney and Myers, the Drug Policy Alliance put together a legal team for my on my behalf they had uh, O'Melveny and Myers uh, uh, step in uh, pro bono. They had the American Civil Liberties join, and then themselves, and they all collaborated on the defense. So O'Melveny and Myers doing the pretty much of the uh, heavy lifting as far as writing the briefs and such. But they all collaborated on it. And so, yeah. And uh, fast forward to last Friday was the hearing. The final hearing, excuse me. We've had several hearings prior to that, and 
you know, there was discovery issues and trial setting and all that. But it, I have to reiterate, this is a, a writ hearing. It wasn't a uh, suing for money or anything, although, you know, I specified that I wasn't seeking any damages, only just relief from their uh, ordinance. Um, the uh, hearing comes on Friday, and the judge um, begins the hearing by saying he's uh, fi uh, finding tentatively for the writ on my behalf. And then he spends the next, uh, I don't know, close to an hour talking about all of the things that he doesn't like within Fontana's ordinance. And they were numerous. And he threw out quite a bit of it, uh, more than probably we had initially hoped it would happen. And, of course, you know, uh, Best Best and Creter on behalf of the city, was, um, you know, put on their heels and was, I would say, the the, the attorney for um, the city was pretty much incredulous in, uh, in his defense. And, and the more that he talked, I think, the less that the judge really would buy it. The, the judge kept challenging the uh, defense to, um, with the word, well, then what is the nexus? What is the nexus of this? Why did you put this in here? And every time that uh, the judge asked that, uh, the defense uh, couldn't reasonably answer. They just uh, basically deflected to they had police powers and then they had the right to do it. And the judge would say, well, just you put in all of these things that really have nothing to do with uh, cultivating cannabis. So what is the hey, nexus Mike? for it? That was the word that he used. Hey, Mike. Uh, yeah, Craig I got Stanfield. it. Go ahead and talk to Craig. Yeah, yeah. I'll wait. Give me one second. Uh, I'll, I'll keep you on the line now. This call is from, right? An inmate at a federal prison. This call is being recorded and is subject to monitoring. Hang up to decline the call or to accept dial. Craig Cecil, how are you doing today? Hello, Joe. Remember me? I know. I, I, I was beginning to wonder... If I had offended you in some way, no, I'm just kidding. I I understand you've been working some long hours. Oh, they really got us. Well, the, see, the the federal budget runs from you know October 1st to October 1st, and uh, the prison factory makes for all the government agencies. So at the end of the year, they try to spend a bunch of their money, and uh, so now we're the prison factory factory is deluged in uh, orders. So we were working from 7.10 in the morning till 10.30 at night. Oh. That makes for some long <laughs> Wow. And I'm sure they pay you triple time for that, right? Uh, no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I we laugh, actually but get overtime pay on our 50 cents an hour. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I, that, that, that all makes it worth it. you got to save up and uh, go on vacation to the Bahamas, right? Yeah, that's it. I think the Bahamas is just a shower if it'll go warm enough. Oh my God. Well, um, I, it's, it's, I'm glad that you're at least able to make it on the show today. Um, and uh, you know, I people have been asking where's Craig, and I just told them, you know, we've communicated a little bit through Coralink, so at least I knew what was going on. And your daughter did reach out to me and. Um, um, let me know what was going on as well. So, um, you know, that's 
that's part of the deal. You know, people don't necessarily realize anything about how things are when somebody's incarcerated. And, um, you know, that we people so quickly take things for granted. And, um, you know, it's important to realize that, you know, prisons, it, 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 it's as serious as a heart attack. It couldn't be more of serious business. And when we talk about the need to make changes, real changes, um, this is why. You know, you are one of the reasons that I have dug in so deeply and have continued to fight, you know, with with everything I have to try to bring awareness to people about the problem. You know, people think that the problem is solved, that we're done, that it's, it's just a matter of time, they tell me. Um, and yet, if things continue on their course as they are without any intervention or any changes made, um, I don't see a way that you're going to get out unless we do something drastic. And that's what we're here to do is that something drastic and make these real changes to policy so that cannabis is no longer a criminal act no matter what you do. And the idea of somebody getting locked up for a long term or especially a life term, for God's sake, um, would be unthinkable as it should be. What I'm really surprised to learn in the prison system is uh, the United States, I expected to do better. Um, one statistic that's often quoted about uh, prisons in the United States is the United States holds 5% of the world's people, yet 25% of the world's prisoners. And uh, the American public really has no idea what goes on. This call is from a federal prison. You know, through our either our state or federal prisons, and a lot of them, you know, a lot of things that they do aren't anywhere near humane, and, it, and really it kind of breeds, you know, it breeds uh, criminals. I mean, that's why about 70% of the people that get out of prison end up back in prison, and I think that the prisons actually contribute to that terrible recidivism rate. Uh, they absolutely do. I, I've been studying sort of human nature, and one thing that I just came upon in a, a book I was reading was that we are, um, we are molded by our experience. And they say that when somebody hears about a crime, usually they're put off by it or, or um, seriously offended by the nature of a crime. But the longer that they get exposed to the crime, the more okay it becomes. And the more exposed to people that commit crimes, the more normal that becomes. And when somebody gets locked up, you are forced in a situation where you have to adapt and you don't get to be that different because you're there and you're part of it. And the nature of the human brain and the human psyche is to accept those things a lot more than to reject them. And it's just the psychological impact of, of putting criminals together and especially the ones that don't belong there. I mean, if somebody really truly commits a crime and they're a danger to society, then in my opinion, that's what, that's what prisons were built for. But to put somebody who didn't cause harm to society and mix them in with people that did, the odds are it's going to become more okay for that good person to become not so good. 
Well, the other thing that kind of perverts, uh, especially federal prosecutions in the United States, is what they call the uh, cooperation credit or the snitch credit. In the United States, if you're invested, if you're arrested for having committed a federal crime, and you give what they consider substantial assistance in the prosecution of another person, meaning you, you're willing to testify against another person or go to the grand jury or, or something like that, you know, for another person to be um, somehow prosecuted, whether it's true or not, they'll, um, they'll reduce your sentence in half or even more. The person who implicated me in this crime never did a day in prison. Not at all. No, he had I, done it to other people in the past. He's got like a 20-year history of doing it. Yeah, I... There's one of the one of the inmates is named Aaron Sandusky, and I remember the day that they got raided. I was called by a number of the families, um, and they they reached out to me as I was you know doing the human solution, and they told me about the raid, and we showed up at the initial uh, bail hearing, um, and there was I don't know I think 12 or 14 original defendants, and. Out of all of them, Aaron was the only one that went to trial. And I watched every single one of those defendants testify against Aaron. Or some of them didn't testify, but I know that they got let off. They had a lesser role in it. Um, but the, his partners and everybody that was involved, um, they all testified against him. And they were partly to blame for him uh for him getting this sentence, 10-year sentence. And I, I was sitting in the courtroom supporting him in the trial, and I was writing an article, you know, as I as I do. And I sat in the courtroom when one of the snitches was testifying, and I wrote notes about that. And later on that evening, I typed up an article about this snitch. And all I did was just tell about what I saw in the courtroom. And lo and behold, the next day in trial, um, first thing that happened was they were having a, a special hearing, and the prosecutor was named me as uh, in, uh, intimidating his witness and uh, threatening his witness. And he actually read my article um, to the judge. It's on the transcript. And um, identified me, named me, and the judge said, no, First Amendment, he didn't do anything other than tell what happened in the courtroom. But after that time, that whole family tried to get me. Uh, they reached out to me on numerous occasions, um, and not not threatening me so much, but really uh, harshly criticizing me, to put it very mildly. It was really strange. I mean, that, that's insane. Why Why is the prosecution and why is the witness even afraid of the truth? <laughs> well, that's just it. Because you were obviously, you, you had no reason to lie, but that witness probably did. That witness was probably trying to, you know, somehow reduce the prison sentence. Well, you know, it, it's just like in your case, we did some digging on this guy, and it turned out he had also had a previous conviction or a case for cocaine, and he actually had cooperated um, as a confidential informant previously. So he had a, a snitch history that Aaron didn't know anything about at the time, but we found he found out later on. And, in fact, when that snitch ended up doing some time, not a lot, 
but he went up to Oregon in the camp up there, and I actually had a couple of the inmates that we were uh, working with reach out to me and ask me about that guy because he was making claims um, about his connection to us and other things. And I set everybody straight. I said, no, this guy's a rat, and if anybody wants to know what happened, I'll be glad to, uh, you know, to read from the transcript what happened. And, and just in the recent news here about uh, Dr. Ford testifying, you know, regarding uh, Justice Kavanaugh, at least you can commend her for uh, standing up and, you know, here's my name, here's my statement, and here, you know, and here I am presenting myself for cross-examination. So no matter if I agree with her or not, I respect the fact that she stood up and said, here's my story, here's my accusation. So many people in federal court that the only reason they're up there is to get that reduction in their sentence or to get their charge thrown out. And they, they unabashedly do it, and they unabashedly brag about, you know, having lied and went home. I, I hear it all the time. Yeah, it, it's really, you know, um, when there is an incentive like that, you know, they call that a conflict of interest in business, right? If I was to try to do business and there was something that I had a, a, a remarkable way to benefit from uh, at your detriment, they would determine, well, no, you can't, you can't do that deal because of a conflict of interest, right? But here in court, <laughs> it's no problem. That's just how we do it. But you know what? Let a defendant pay a witness to testify for him. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they yeah. would both be, you know, charged for that offense. Exactly. You know? I mean, it, it only works going one way, which is, you know, it's absurd. <laughs> well, and, you know, I just got word from uh, uh, Tracy Glor that uh, the Supreme Court denied the hearing, um, and we had actually gotten uh, Congressman Rohrbacher to file an, an amicus brief on behalf of Lance um, for, to try to get this evidentiary hearing. And, you know, people talk about the law and how it is and that, you know, well, if you're following state law, you're okay. The feds can't touch you. But it turns out if the feds want to touch you, they'll touch you. And if they don't want to give you an evidentiary hearing, they're not going to give you an evidentiary hearing. And if it goes all the way up to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court usually denies everything. So, um, you know, for everybody who thinks that things have to be a certain way because the law says it, um, and if you think that just changing a law is the only answer, I'm here to tell you, go ask Lance about that. Well, what happened to Lance in that situation happens to so many people. It happened to me in, uh, in that he asked for a hearing where he could, you know, present evidence that his case should have never been prosecuted in light of the Robasher Amendment. Exactly. But the court just refused to have the evidentiary hearing, and then they upheld it on, a, on appeal, saying that, well, you never proved it at an evidentiary hearing. Exactly. He never was given that opportunity. Well, and again, they filed a motion to have that hearing um, after, you know, to re revisit it, and they denied it. And that's, you know, like I say, in some cases, like uh, the Kettle Falls case, Roland Gregg and their team, they they got their case overturned as a result of that. And so we did get a victory, and hopefully that there will be more cases that stand on it. But last I heard, Charlie Lynch just got sentenced, and he's 
off to prison, and he was out waiting for his appeal based on this kind of thing for, I don't know, like 11 years, something like that, a long time. And and after that long wait, now he gets sentenced. And this is just in the last couple of months. It's not, it's not you know, this is at our, our peak of, of, of legalization with giant quotes on it. Well, there's already your first beep, Craig. I'm sorry. I kind of dominated the conversation. I'm going to turn it back to you. Okay. Well, Joe, it's, it's, I'm excited. Uh, we've got an election coming, so I, I'm hoping that we get some people in Congress that take an interest in, in two things. First of all, in criminal justice. I mean, there's something wrong with our criminal justice system that, uh, you know, like in my case, had I been convicted of rape, I would have had a three-month sentence. On a marijuana charge, I get life. Those laws need to be fixed. And our federal marijuana laws need to go away. And we need to elect people that will come to their senses and say, this is a matter of best left to the states, just like beer and wine and other alcohol. It's just not a federal matter, and we need to elect people that will see uh, the law the way we do. I couldn't agree more, Craig. And uh, are, are you going to – there he goes. Well, there we go. You know, um, most weeks Craig gets 15 minutes to talk to us. And uh last three weeks he's been working, I don't know, what do you say, 7 in the morning to 10 at night. So, I don't know, 15-hour shifts, you know, that's, that's on prison wages, 15-hour shifts. And somehow we think that we're okay. We Somehow we're justified in allowing for certain things and not others. I, I reach out to you, folks. Every single person that's listening, think about that. And, and think about how you feel about that that happens to this man who caused no harm to anybody. Right, how do you deal with that? How are you okay with that? And how are you not so outraged that you are moved to act? That's my question to you. And if you are moved to act, please contact me. I can show you how. I will. I promise. And he'll give you a shirt. Too. I'll give you a shirt, too. <laughs> All right. Back to Mike. When Mike was just getting into um, this hearing, and, um, you know, it's really exciting. You know, when Mike's telling the story, I'm putting myself there. I had actually just gotten back from a trip. I was not able to make this hearing, but I wanted to. But every time that I hear a judge uh, question a prosecutor or, a, you know, um, I guess, I guess um, what, what is their role in a civil case? There's a, a plaintiff and a, and a defendant. Is that how that works? Um, yeah, the, well, there's the plaintiff and the defendant, and I'm the uh, plaintiff in this case. Got it. So when the judge was was challenging them and asking them for the nexus of their of their ordinance, you know, what's the cause? Why would you do that? That's what he's asking them. What's what's the what's what's the purpose of this thing? Why'd you do it? And what did they say? Well, what was it, their it's defined it's defined as the connection or link or causal, meaning you know, correlation does not equal causation. And that's the uh, the prime word here is causation or cause. And they could not make a cause or connection that the judge would accept. And, in fact, it was really flustering the judge. 
or not the judge, but the uh, um, the attorney for the uh, city, which I might add is the same attorney that fled, um, not fled, but um, presented the case in front of the state supreme court that killed uh, 215. So the tentative ruling on my behalf was really a personal victory because this is the, it was against a guy that uh, thinks that police powers trumps everything. Well, anytime anybody from BB and K gets stepped on a little bit, I'm sorry I missed it. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it wasn't just a little bit. They got slapped hard. I heard the judge, you know, initially was correcting himself because um, uh, BB and K had said that, you know, they were talking about the permit and that, you know, that they bestowed this benefit upon the citizens in allowing them to participate in the, uh, this process. And then uh, Bill Freeman, the, my lawyer from the ACLU, stepped up and said, no, sir, we'd like to correct the, uh, that. So, uh, this isn't a benefit. This is a right now codified under the state constitution. And then the judge um, paused for a minute, and he looked at Mr. Freeman. He says, I don't believe that's true. And then Mr. Freeman says, well, just read the uh, basic uh, 11362.1, personal possession and cultivation. That's the the legalese for 64. And this is the first uh, line of it. Uh, under A, subject to sections 11, uh, 362.2, personal cultivation restrictions, 11, 3623, personal use restrictions, and 362.4, personal violations, but notwithstanding any other provision of law, it shall be lawful under the state and local law and shall not be in violation of state or local law for persons 21 years of age or older. And then it gives all the lists of the things that you're allowed to do, you know, post, possess, process, transport, purchase, obtain, or give it away, possess, process, or transport, purchase, or attain, or give away 20% of You know, it goes possess, plant, cultivate, harvest, dry, and process not more than six living plants and possess the marijuana produced by the plants. And, you know, it goes, it has uh, about five more items anyways, but he just looked, and then, and then he looked at the uh, defense, and then he looked at my attorney, and he says, no, sir, I, I believe you're correct. It is now the law. <laughs> you know, and everybody in the in that courtroom, especially, I, I was looking over at uh, uh, attorney Dunn, and I thought his head was going to explode. <laughs> the guy, you know, and from then on, that point on, it was defaulted. What about the children? What about the children? We've got to protect of the course. youth and children. And, you right. know, and, and it was uh, the default thing. You know, the judge threw out, uh, first off, this, you know, um, if somebody's violating this ordinance um, and they're still following state law, we're throwing out that misdemeanor charge right off the bat. The citizens didn't vote to um, decriminalize uh, marijuana just so you can make it criminal again. He says, we're doing that right off the bat. He said, that, you know, and he went through a whole litany of things. And then the, uh, each side, you know, discussed their either support or objection to all the things that he said. Of course, the, the defense tried to raise an objection against everything, and the judge was patient and listening, but at every time that the defense would have an objection to it, that same uh, phrase was raised. Well, what's the nexus to it? 
And, you know, not a single time could they raise something without deflecting to basically dogma of what was in the brief, which the judge wasn't fine. He says, well, you know, they, they wanted to know why did he have to have a a, a, a a room that was just basically dedicated to growing. He says, you know, this is a residence. It says, the law says, you know, within the residence, and if everybody's living in a house, you know, that house is being used as a residence. You know, you don't have to, I don't know of few people, or if any, that have a, a room they can just dedicate to one thing. You know, people live in a home, and then they use the house. And he says, I have 10 house plants. He says, and, and nobody's coming in to make me have a permit. You know, I'm thinking, yeah, the guy gets it. And, <laughs> you know, he, he talked about, um, you know, the personal restrictions. You know, he threw out the, uh, any felony con- convictions over the last five years. He threw out the, uh, the thing about um, you can't have any uh, 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 violations or overdue bills. And he says, well, what's the point in that? So, you know, that, that's a separate issue. And, you know, they kept adding that, well, you know, if he's a bad actor, then, you know, we can't give him a permit because he's not paying his uh, library fine or if he has a um, a violation on some other code. You know, and, you know, we went into this knowing that it's going to be an uphill push for a land use issue to dispute it. But, I mean, this was like um, a gift from above. The, the, my legal team did, you know, their due diligence you know, front and backward, and challenge the judge at, at certain points because of his ruling on denying the discovery. Even though we did get it in the record in the brief, you know, we weren't able to present our witnesses and our side of the story as the way the um, defense was trying to present it. And that was even challenged that, that you know, the um, the lawyer would, for um, BB&K would bring up all of these different, you know, separate issues uh, relating to commercial grows and mold and mildew and fire hazards and electrocution, you know, and um, threats to children. And, you know, and at each time, the, the, uh, the judge or my side would say, no, that's commercial issues. And besides, you know, what's you've got more so dangerous things in the house. That apply to any business, any situation, in any circumstance, uh, commercial or residential. That's why they have safety codes so that people don't burn their houses down. But that has nothing to do with this specifically. It has to do with general general guidelines and rules. And they're trying to lump yeah, things the, that don't belong lumped. The the law says you can do it, and you know, and the judge was pretty adamant. Says you know, you can't just throw anything on there that you feel is going to deter people from doing it. And, you know, you've you've taken a bill that is supposed to include everybody within the state that's over 21, and you're trying to narrow it um, with one thing, and then you narrow it with another until you get to where the hardly anybody can participate in. He talks about the fee being onerous, and he talks about, well, if I cut out all these things, are you still going to need to charge that much? And the lawyer says, well, yes, probably, you know, so we need to do this. So he says, you're not going to be um, criminally investigating people. You're not going to fingerprint anybody. And then, then he challenged the um, uh, the defense once again. says, if, if I throw all of these things out, tell me why that this inspection isn't nothing more than a warrantless search. You know, and you could hear a pin drop. 
because you know this has been my point the whole time that you know this this violates both the Fourth and Fifth Amendment. Even though the judge, when he first opened, he said he's not finding on behalf of me and my case on the uh, Fourth and Fifth Amendment. But then he went to cite all kinds of things that reinforced our argument. So you know we were handed a, a very you know a supportive. Uh, uh, arguments on behalf of uh, the judge, and you know, we'll wait to see what his ruling is. So when when is uh, is there some kind of a timeline? I know judges have purview on that, but um, is there some expected timeline on it? It's been about a week now, hasn't it? It was um, Friday, a week ago Friday. No, was it that long? No, I think it was just Friday. Yeah, it it will be a week this Friday. I'm sorry, I said it wrong. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, well, no, I've heard that he's he's came back, to, you know, in a timely fashion, maybe in a couple of weeks or so. But you know, I I have no idea that there's been times where you're waiting for something and you think it's going to be a couple of months or 90 days, and you know, you look at uh, uh, Mr. Lynch's case uh, went for six months, I think, before they came with a decision. You know, and basically they punted on that, but you know that's a another story in itself. But well, um, I, I remember in my appellate hearing, um, they ruled in about two weeks, and that was really, really fast, according to what I heard. So yeah, I, I, yeah. I would imagine if he's quick, it'll be within the within within a month for sure. Well, I, I'm very yeah. excited to hear what that ruling is, and is this ruling? The, the end of it, or is this going to open up the door for more more action to be happening? Well, that's 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 up to the parties involved. Um, my side has said, you know, if, if we didn't, you know, get what we want, or, or you know, had it the writ had not been decided in our favor, that um, the legal team had been made the provisions for an appeal to the appellate and. Uh, the lawyers had said we have even a stronger case in an appellate court than we do in front of this judge. Although, you know, and um, the the city has gone on in record saying that, you know, that they intend to appeal if they don't uh, win. So um, we'll see. You know, as, right. as you know, it's not up to an appellate court whether or not they want to uh, uh, decide on a case either. Or the city could do uh, the third option of uh, rewriting the ordinance. But you know, I don't know what's going to happen, to be honest. Well, it's it's exciting to see that we're, uh, you know, involved in a proactive case rather than a reactive case, which is so often the often the story. And uh, you know, this is this has been an exciting case from my point of view from the beginning, because number one, you're involved in it. Number two, it's local, and number three, you know, it exemplifies you know, taking some real action and to have a couple of, you know, you got the DPA and the ACLU um, that have stood behind you in this, which, you know, they've got some, they've got some, uh, some punching weight. So um, it's, it's just great to see, you know, BBK is like, you know, the juggernaut in the arena. I mean, they, they represent how many cities across the state and I don't know if they're in other states too, but I know, um, you know, they're, they might not be the largest big. in the state. They're, they're very big, yeah. And if they're not the biggest, they're one of them. 
and, you know, they're involved in oppressive policies uh, in so many places, and they have deep pockets, and they steamroll over most most people in most situations that they come across. So for them to, to hit a wall here, that's uh, that's like Lanny uh, beating Paul Chabot, only maybe even a little more. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 the issues in this case uh, have uh, is quite possible to have really large uh, a large implication if it goes to an appellate court. Well, that's certainly what we would like to see happen. So, um, of course, please keep me in the loop as this is moving forward, and uh, always a pleasure to, to get the updates. All right, Joe. All right, thanks, Mike. Once again, folks, Mike Harris. Um, taking it to them, uh, the city of Fontana is uh, uh, the, the attorneys for the city of Fontana. Frankly, I don't think the city of Fontana um, necessarily cares one way or the other, but the attorneys that have done the ordinance and have set this thing in motion, they're the ones um, that seem to have a uh, some dog in the fight of keeping this down. I don't understand it. Um, we got 59 minutes left of this show, and I've got a lot to get to. I have Darren Elliott, a defendant, on the line. I got Glenn Keeling on the line. I got Creed Leffler on the line. I got Amy King on the line. I got Pete Yapel on the line, and I have uh, George Montorano going to be on the line. Um, and that's just for now. Hopefully, Tom Corby will be joining us. Um, Tom, I understand, is or at least was in the hospital, and um, if you are one to uh, pray or, or visualize or um, put out good energy for Tom, Tom is a lion of a man, and um, I believe he's got some disc issues, and I, I, I want to see, I visualize him out there on the front lines um, just advocating and supporting anybody who needs it, and um, hopefully he will be very quickly uh, uh, out there with us. And Mike and Sarah are actually, I think I'm going to bring them up next because they represent uh, a brand-new growth. So here's the, here's the lineup here. We're going to do uh, Mike and Sarah, um, then we're going to do Amy, and then we're going to do Darren, uh, then we'll do Creed, then... What happened to Glenn? I think Glenn's here too. I don't know. Glenn might have dropped off, but he'll be Bobby back. And then, uh, and then Pete, and then we'll see where we go from there. But before, again, uh, I want to get back to the original topic, and I, it sounds like I'm bouncing around, but part of this show is that it's a freeform show, and, and we bring in people that have a lot of different uh, topics. Um, ending prohibition is a broad subject. And it covers a lot of ground, and it's hard to kind of tie it all together sometimes. But um, I think we do a pretty good job out here. So back to uh, the human solution and our mission. I want everybody to realize, again, that I would rather have an individual that I fundamentally disagree with that's willing to put their differences aside and stay on the front line with me and help me to 
beat down this issue that we have all decided is important enough to put our differences aside for than to have a whole gaggle of yes people just saying yes. And the reason why is because it's raising ourselves to a higher plane. My case was over four years ago. And when my case was on and I was in trial, uh, or when I was locked up, or when I was in any stage of this, I got up and I spoke publicly constantly. And I told people at the time that this case is not about me. And if you want to make it about me, then so be it. But it's not. It's about the bigger picture. And it's about ending prohibition. And it's about making a world where this can't happen anymore. And over the years, there have been cases that have come to me. And there have been people involved in cases that, frankly, were not my friends. Um, people that stabbed me in the back, people that caused me personal harm, people that didn't appreciate the support, and worse, and much, much worse. And one of the most difficult things that I could say that there is to do is to stand up for somebody that you vehemently disagree with or to stand up with somebody who's a piece of shit because maybe they belong in jail for something, but it's definitely not this. And there was a guy um, when my first case was going on. He had a federal case, and he was one of these guys who got brought to my attention by a friend of mine who was a quadriplegic and we had this one thing in common. We had all gone to the same high school, and it was a, a private high school and, and some prestigious thing that I I always hated that high school. I never had anything to do with it. I just, I was one of the stoners in the, in the preppy school, and I didn't fit in and whatever. It didn't matter. I had my gang of folks that, that we hung out together. And, um, you know, I didn't end up going to an Ivy League college and, I didn't end up getting a fancy degree, but I can tell you this. I put myself up against any one of those motherfuckers anytime for any reason. And this guy was one of these guys who was a, I won't name the school because I'm not here to hurt them. They're, they were a good school. I just didn't fit in. He went to the school, and then he went to, you know, USC and graduated. And he was the, the quintessential, you know, preppy guy. And he, you know, was a smart guy, and he thought he was, um, you know, all that and 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 a bag of lobster cakes. And <laughs> he ends up with this federal case, and he was using the case as, you know, the one. He was the one. Well, when I had my case going on, this guy actually did some really crappy things while I was in going through my case. But when he had a hearing, I rallied people to show up for this hearing. And although personally I didn't have anything to say to him, I showed up, I did what I could to get others to show up, and I made it not about him. And I kept it to a place that it belonged, which was, let's do what it takes to end prohibition. 
Now, there's nothing about the human solution that says you have to do anything. The good thing about this organization is that it's a freedom-based organization. And as much as we would welcome and hope that everybody would support every case, there's plenty of reasons that people don't support each other. And although it saddens me when I hear about them, I have people tell me all the time, I'm not going to support that person because they blah, blah, blah. They did this or they did that. I'm like, all right. You know, it's not, you don't have an obligation to do anything. As a member of the human solution, you have one obligation, and that is not to cause harm to anybody. We have a note, we have a, a, a code of conduct, and it's real simple. Don't be an asshole in our name. If you want to go and be an asshole, do it on your own time. Don't wear our banner, don't wear our ribbon, don't mention us, and, you know, hopefully you're not part of our leadership because um, that could be problematic. But as long as we're following our code of conduct, we have a right to think anything we want to think. We have a right to support any policy that we want to support. We have a right to support any people that we want to support or not. You know, it's not a if, this, or that. Now, obviously, again, I'm really adamant that I, I, I want people to put their differences aside and, and stand up for what's right because we'll win faster. And we can go back to hating each other afterward. You know, I don't really care. I just want to get to the place where we don't have to worry about getting locked up for this plan anymore. And the sooner more of us get together to do that, the quicker it will happen. Now, the converse of this, and this is maybe equally as important, we teach effectiveness, how to be effective in the courtroom, how to be effective in getting support, how to be effective at winning. Sometimes it's easier to attract flies with honey. I think that's how the saying goes. If you're good to people and, and reasonable to people and not contrary to people, more people will likely want to come around and help you. And if you're very outspoken and adamant about very divisive topics, sometimes you'll push some people away. But you have a right to do that. And, again, I support your right. The First Amendment, the freedom to speak our minds about anything and everything as long as we're not advocating harm to somebody, I welcome it. I, I welcome what I disagree with almost as much as I welcome what I agree with. You know, I, I, I think that that is the core of the human experience is our freedom, our freedom to fail, our freedom to succeed, our freedom to experience the goodness that humanity has to offer, and our freedom to experience the bad that humanity has to offer. So I want to be very clear again about the human solution and who we are and what we are. And I've been approached by people for the last 10 years, well, your person said this, and what are you going to do about it? I'm going to do a damn thing about it. We have a code of conduct, and if somebody violates our code of conduct, they ostracize themselves. There doesn't have to be an official anything if somebody wants to file a formal complaint, we have a, a place for that to happen. But if you're not going to do that, 
It ain't going to happen on Facebook, I'll tell you that. It ain't going to happen on Facebook. Give it up. All right. So let's get down to this here. Effectiveness. That's one of the purposes of us being here, to be effective. Goals. What's our goals? I have a goal. Do you have a goal? My goal is to end prohibition entirely, not to pass some stupid regulation, not to have some half-assed law, not to get halfway there. My goal, and I'm not saying what your goal has to be, but my goal, and I happen to be CEO and president of this organization, so it's sort of our goal as an organization for now until you decide you don't want me around, um, is to end prohibition once and for all, altogether. No more prohibition. I don't know why that can't be important. Steps towards it. I have some. You want to be involved with this A-team? Let's take some steps. Let's start working together. Personal growth. You know, how many of us are working on ourselves? Uh, I am. I've got all kinds of problems. Just ask anybody. <laughs> I'm an asshole, okay? But, but I don't mean to be an asshole on purpose. I'm just very expressive about how I feel. And what I want is good for humanity, and there's a lot of people who just don't care about humanity, and so I clash with them sometimes. And I don't like ignorance, and I don't like people who are mean-spirited, and I'm a little outspoken about that sometimes. But I am working on myself, because I can't fix you. I can't fix anybody else. All I can fix is myself. And one of the things that I'm working on today, right now, at this moment, is my focus. And you might not be able to tell because of the show, but I, this is my place of chaos. I get to have a place where, woo, we get to do whatever, and it's all cool. But when I'm not on the show, I, I try to be focused. And I, I've, I've taken some very clear and distinct actions recently. Um, you know, I, I've removed myself from a lot of social networking settings. Um, today, I actually turned off my notifications for my phone. Hey. So I don't get a notification every time a text message comes in anymore. I don't get a notification every time I get an email. I don't get a notification every time I get a, uh, anything. I turned them all off. And I've decided there's going to be three times a day I check emails and text messages and all of that stuff. And once a day, I'm going to check Facebook. And so if you think that that you need to communicate with me this way. I say this, call me. I will always answer my phone, no matter what. Unless I'm on the radio or in a meeting or on another call, call me. Nothing pisses me off or not pisses me off. I don't get angry for it, but it's frustrating when I get these messages saying, call me. Fuck you. Call me. I call you when I have something to say to you. I really do. Anybody who knows me, I call you. Uh, the, the, the spoken word. Imagine this show if it was typed out. Nobody would read it. It, it, would, it wouldn't make enough sense. But because of the expression, because of the ability to look in my eyes and your eyes and, and listen to the, to, the, to the expression of our, uh, our accentuation, the, the, the emotion that comes with this, there's no question about what we're saying. When you type words, it's every way to be confused. And very few people are eloquent enough with the written word to do a good job. And I'm not good enough to do a good job at that. So I choose the spoken word. At least if we have a clash and you're listening to me, it will be for 
substantial reason rather than uh, a misunderstanding. I have had probably 99% of all clashes happen with written word. And when I actually sit and talk to somebody in person, usually things get resolved. Very few people will call me up and challenge me face-to-face, one-on-one, because there's not a reason to. My goal is to make the world better. So if you're not into that, I don't know why you'd even be calling me. So 951-436-6312. I'm very public about this line. I'm actually going to get another phone that um, I'm not going to give out the number to, but... um, Anybody who knows me, call me up, I'll, I'll, I'll talk. I want this world to be better. I want to end prohibition. I don't get paid for this, folks. <laughs> I do this because it's important, okay? I am a volunteer. I donate to the Human Solution probably more than everybody else put together. It doesn't matter. It's, it's important. We can do this. I know I have a vision that when we all stand together and we all lock arms and we all decide our message and we all say it loud enough together, we will get what we want. Election times are coming up. How many, is going to go, how many are going to vote? How many have asked your candidates, what is your thoughts on prohibition? What are your thoughts on prison policies? How many of you have done that? My guess is not enough. Maybe it's time to change. Maybe it's time to change. All right, enough of my ranting. I've gobbled up another 15 minutes. Um, I'm now going to do... What I said I was going to do, which is another thing I try to do, have some integrity. Do what you say, folks, please. If you say you're going to help, help, would you? If you say you're going to be part of this, be part of this. Well, I got some new folks that have decided to be part of this. And since I left Kansas over three years ago, um, we've had a couple of chapters that have made a stab at it. And we've done some good and helped some folks, but it was never, um, in my opinion, what we could it was never it was never in my opinion what we could have been we had some advocates that cared about you know their their local uh, area and supporting people we had cases that we've supported but there's a passion that comes from this when you're a chapter coordinator when you really are a chapter you put out a beacon literally imagine a lighthouse you ever been to a lighthouse If you go to a lighthouse, you'll see the brightest friggin' light you've ever imagined. And that light shines out into the darkness. And its purpose is to say, hey, I'm here, right? I'm here. There's a friggin' rock. Don't crash your boat. That's what the lighthouse has to say. But our beacon is, I'm here. I'm here. And when you see that beacon out there, and you see somebody that says, I'm here, and you've just been hit, you've just been pulled over, your life has been shaken from its roots, you have no clue what to expect, you're afraid, and you see somebody says, hey, call that guy. They might be able to help. To have somebody that you can call. When I got raided, I had nobody to call. I called every organization on the book, and you know what they all said to me? And some of them I've become close with in the future, or, you know, since that time, they all said, wow, I'm sorry to hear that. None of them said, I know what you're going through, I can help. Not one of them. Not one. 
And I said to myself, sometime between then and now, we can't be like that. We have to be there to help. And if even the only thing we do is answer that phone and say, hey, I understand, we care. I don't know what we can do just right yet, but we're going to do something. And you're, you're connected now to a team of people, an international organization, a group of people that are dedicated to the notion that you shouldn't have to go to jail for this plant. And we stand by you. And we'll find some way to help. So now we've got a couple of folks, Michael and Sarah. Um, and I'm working with these folks on a couple of different levels. And they're working with a dear friend of mine, uh, Lisa Sublett. And uh, they're working with the Bleeding Canvas Advocacy Organization. And they do a lot of amazing similar work. Um, but they joined with this organization and they decided they're willing to step up and become a chapter coordinator and get this Kansas chapter going again. And so without further ado, we got Mike and Sarah. And Yay. welcome to the show, Mike and Sarah, and welcome to the family. Hello. How is it going? So how does it feel to uh, be, be the beacon in, uh, in Kansas now? We are super, super excited about that, actually. Um, and like I said on the the news feed comments earlier, we have Chris, who is out in Garden City, I believe. I could be wrong, but he's jumping on board with us, too. He's been super excited to be a part of the team. So, Yeah, Chris has been a 420 member for almost a year now, and um, he's been out there. You know, I've spoken with him personally, and uh, he's been out there looking to help. So this is, this is kind of what happens. Yeah, me and Chris actually started advocating at the same time. It's really interesting how that happened. We went up to uh, Topeka to talk to the legislation that day, and we just did not really care for what we've seen. So we've kind of been at it from the very start together, So, as well as Michael. So it's kind of a group forming from the get-go of all of us getting into it. So it's super cool. That is fantastic. And, you know, one of the things that I'm here to do is to help to foster momentum um, and so right now with, with, you know, the kindling going and the sparks starting to fly up, um, I, I'm, I'm here to do anything to blow on the fire and add, add some more sticks to it. So um, realize at any given time, if, if there's any interest in Kansas, anywhere in Kansas, um, it doesn't mean that you all have to sit in a room together and physically get together. When you can, it's always best. But um, you know, when there's, if there's a, an activity or, or an event or something that you can get together for, um, it's always, you know, that's when we're strongest is when we stand together. But meanwhile, you know, you, you can have virtual meetings. We can, you know, just sharing our, our connection, just, just sharing our enthusiasm for liberty and freedom and, and being a beacon to those people that, you know, are, are at risk. Of, of, you know, the hardship that comes from prohibition. So did you guys have any questions? I mean, you guys are going to be officially receiving your charter um, in the next few days. So is, is there anything that you have um, that you have a question? Otherwise, I'm, I'm going to ask that you uh, uh, publicly broadcast how people can reach you because you are now – a hub, and and um, we're going to be, you know, hopefully directing some folks uh, that want to help in prohibition, or possibly, you know, anybody who finds themselves uh, at risk or 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 having suffered 
um, as a result? Um, awesome. I think that we're doing pretty good on the whole idea of what we're doing. It helps that I work with Leading Kansas. So if I have questions, I can always just call you as that comes up, not text you. <laughs> and um, pretty much we will, <laughs> what we will be doing is probably just my cell phone number for right now, and then we can use um, the e- my work email address until we get the the Facebook page and all of that stuff set up. So okay, you my name is Sarah out? Stormant. Yeah, my name is Sarah Stormant, S-T-O-R-M-E-N-T. The phone is 316-409-9789. And the email address is smellthisllc.gmail.com. Can you give the phone number again? I got a little spotty. Yep, 316-409-9789. Beautiful. Well, I'm I'm hoping that uh, you guys can check in regularly with the show. Um, a lot of times, even when there's not much to say, just having the people here, uh, a regular check-in is is inspiring to people, and it gets more people to want to want to participate. Oh, absolutely. And I'm trying to get um, one of our one of the guys that's running for governor to call into the show. Um, He's been really busy with elections coming up, but I'm trying to get him. Hopefully, Greg Orman will hopefully be joining us within the next couple of shows. That'll be fantastic. And if you give me a heads up enough time, we can put him into the queue of the show and hopefully draw more uh, local uh, attention because of it. Awesome. I will definitely get with him and see which, which Wednesday works better on that note. But I think you'll really like his views on things, too. So. Beautiful. Uh, working All with right. Kansas anyway. You got to remember we're working with half-ass backwards legislation. So. I fully understand. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? As much as I'm very puritanical about my views about what I want, you know what? A step closer is a step closer, and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll put up with with any progress that we can make. So, um, you know, I would rather take a small step forward than no step at all. And you know, absolutely, we got to from the inside, the outside, in all directions, and, you know, getting somebody on the inside is powerful, and, and I'm, I can't wait to see it happen. Yes, it's going to be super exciting, so. Awesome. All right, you guys, well, uh, a pleasure, and again, welcome to the team, and I look forward to uh, watching Kansas grow. Yeah, thank you. Bye, Joe. All right, thank take care, you guys. All right, Mike, see ya. All right, here we go. Um, I've burned up two-thirds of the show again, and now we're going to dig into some guests. And uh, we got Amy King. Amy King has been on the show um, more than once. Actually, recently she she's done a couple of uh, guest spots here. She's a dear friend, an advocate, and um, she's got some pretty strong beliefs as well. And, um, you know, one of these, episodes has happened recently and and um it got brought to my attention and you know in, in years ago i let things get to me a lot more than i do now i think at least i hope and i and i feel much more confident about the organization and our um our infrastructure and the core of our beliefs as being strong enough to withstand anybody's attacks or or issues or whatnot, and the thing that's happened in the past that's 
been devastating to the organization is that there's been clashes between two members for whatever reason, and ultimately both parties end up leaving the organization, and the organization had nothing to do with it. And so my hope is that any time that there's ever a clash between any two members or any two people for whatever reason, it doesn't matter. People are people, and people don't agree, and sometimes people disagree vehemently, and that's okay. Um, but the thing is, is, is what's our substance behind it? Are we willing to, um, you know, stay the course of the greater cause? Um, and are we willing to stand by an organization that is not weak, um, that is that is very uh, um, value-driven and holds the highest standard of, of these values? Um, and that's my hope, is that whatever personal issues happen, that, that we can weather those storms and find a way to stay together as a team, even if we disagree and maybe don't support each other, we still support the team. So here we go. Amy King, my friend, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, Joe. How are you? I'm great. Uh, fantastic. I see you're watching. <laughs> Well, I had to come in. You were cracking me up. I, I mean, I'm enjoying it better just listening on the phone. I found that the connection was way better when I wasn't watching it and li merely listening to the phone, but you were cracking me up, and I had to come see you. <laughs> it's all good. Hopefully this is entertaining as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to actually turn this off because I, I, I can't hear as well on the phone when I have them both going. So no worries, I'm no off worries. there. To talk right. to you. Excellent. So, what's going on? Man, crazy time right now. So, the FDA, the latest news today is the FDA has asked for public comments on the project I'm working on overseas, you know, at the, at the WHO. So, they're asking for public comment today um, publicly. So, hey. That's happening. It's pretty exciting. I like to read the comments. I like to see if uh, what people have to say. It's amongst other drugs as well, um, so it's not the only uh, review that's being done. Tramadol is being done again uh, on its critical review. So, yeah. And what you know? What what is what are these comments? I mean, is there a general consensus? Um, it, it, are, are there? Do we have opposition? Okay, so the public comments are processed by the FDA um, through the Health and Human Services, and and they're just simply gathered. First of all, it's just an, simply an element of the law. Anytime, I mean, this is part of the pub. This is part of the government system that that functions very well. In fact, is um, public notices. Those are given through the Federal Register. Um, and so anytime a response is going to be issued by the United States to the international body, they have to post that. Anytime information is requested from the international body, they have to post that. Um, anything that interfered or would change the reporting requirements of DEA license holders um, 
or the reporting requirements of the DEA to the INCB, they have to list that publicly. So, I mean, it just merely goes on the record, but I enjoy reading them. Um, it, it helps me advocate and speak for people better when I'm there in front of the committee. Um, because I have a sense of what are people saying, and, and the stories that impact me the most, I think that I carry forward the most, are people who have been able to reduce their burden or their need of pharmaceuticals, who have um, improved their quality of life. Uh, and when I can go in and I can say, you know, I read through 10,000 comments and 6,300 of them you know, cumulatively had these things to say, it, it really, I think, makes an impact, believe it or not, because it is one collective place where no one, it, it doesn't matter what organization, what group you are. Yes, there are a lot of um, chain letters like normal will say, oh, write this, and then so I discount those. I kind of log the things as I go along. And so that's why I said out of 10,000, maybe 6,300 actually had some substance. Um, some of them are unintelligent, of course, and say the wrong things, too. But uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's what I'm doing. So that's what I'll be spending my next weeks is trying to, you know, um, that they're taking public comment through October 31st. So I'll be trying to categorize those over the next few weeks. Do you know how if somebody wants to submit a public comment, how they could do it? Do you have um, the way to, to the way to get to that? I mean, I'd I'd certainly be interested in expressing my views. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I can. I'll shoot you that link, and then you can post yeah. it out. Perfect. I, I will okay. do that because you know we have a lot of folks that um, are knowledgeable and eloquent and. You know, the more of that that we get, um, the better our position is. And this is something that isn't political at all. This is very personal, and it, it, it cuts across all the, all the lines. And it, if enough people speak up in a, in a clear way, it'll shine. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm going to have to say, say this. Um, probably the biggest... I just sent that to you in your Facebook Messenger, by the way. Um, the most important thing, I think, given this, the system, how the system in the U.S. works, okay, we, we got we to gotta stray away from saying cannabis is medicine because if it's medicine, the U.S. defines that as a very stringent, uh, tested pharmaceutical. Um, model. And so if we say that it's medicine, we really cut off our nose to spite our face. We need to, you know, stay focused that cannabis has helped you reduce your burden of pharma pharmaceuticals or that um, this plant has never harmed anyone. But it, it's, it's, it's actually more detrimental to us to consider to say that it's medicine unless we want it to be controlled by the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, we can call it a botanical medicine. If we're going to talk about it as a medicine, we should call it and, and definitely define it as a botanical. That's just my personal, you know, experience of reading and reading. And then again, going back to what is the formal system in the U.S.? 
Hell, we can't even call CBD. We can't even say CBD has properties because then we're, we're declaring it as a medicine. So we really need to hone back in our language and, and our approach on that and be smarter about it. No, I, I totally agree, and I think if we talk about its relative safety um, and, again, its potential harm reduction, I think that that doesn't class it into a, a regulatory body, and I think that that's our strongest position anyways. Um, we, can, we can claim without any fear of uh, dispute that it has harmed people much less than any other regulated product, and it has helped people, you know. So, I mean, if you can right. get it into a supplement category, it's way stronger from our point of view than, than classifying it as medicine as defined by the regulatory bodies of the, of the states. I, I totally agree with you, and, and it really doesn't matter what we feel inside. If we want to be effective, we have to act effective, and that's a, that is a solid plan. So, folks, if you're going to do this, I'll be posting this on my uh, public pages um, as, as to how to reach out to uh, post your public comment, but I think that that's sound advice, and obviously you do what you want to do, um, but the truth is if you look at FDA and the, the, the restrictions and regulations, the worst thing that could happen to us right now is that GW Pharmaceuticals got a CBD drug through FDA trials, and now the FDA is trying to say that, well, that's the only way that it's going to be legitimate. So they're trying to make it to where everybody else except for this one company that got one drug through FDA trials is still criminal, and this one company is going to be okay because they went through their hoops. Uh, and that's not okay. Right. Not so, right, and they qualified it with any subsequent um, drugs developed in a similar manner. So, again, uh, um, and then we, you have exclusivity on those particular um, dr uh, conditions, the Dreve, the LGS, and GW Pharma is in line with um, like seven other clinical trial drug developments. Um, patents that they've filed for, for quite some time. So it's going to really lock out a lot of, of, of uh, comp competitive development. And so it's going to keep the price high. So again, I think um, one thing is it's it's pretty simple to when I, I sent you the link, you click the part that says submit a for formal comment, um, and then it tells you if you want to do it written, so you can do it electronically, and then you just follow the um, link that says submit your comment. Excellent. Right. Well, I so will it's pretty simple. You're gonna, you're gonna have. They're gonna register. You can also do it anonymously. You don't have to show your name, but you can. I, I read through them, and I see people that I know. <laughs> it's funny. That's for sure. All right, Amy. Well, we're yeah. running short on time, so I gotta nip this one a little close. But I, I appreciate the heads up on this, and I will uh, share it around my world, and hopefully, we'll be able to get uh, a lot of of comments before the cutoff time. Very good. All right. Touch base with me if you need any uh, um, guidance. 
You bet. Thank you so much. Once again, Amy King. All right, now we got to get lightning round a little bit. We're, uh, we blazed up most of the show once again, as we tend to do. Um, so we got Glenn Keeling up next, and then, uh, well, let's see, I think I said Creed was up next. Sorry, Glenn, you're going to hold off for a second. Creed Leffler, um, friend of the show. Um, everybody knows Creed now, so I don't have to do a long introduction. But as always, we only have a few minutes. So, Creed, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, Joe, how are you? I am fantastic. I've got Lisa with me here, too. Hey, Creed, how you doing? Hey, Lisa, how are you? I'm good, good to I'm glad you called. I'm going to read my message because we're running short on time. Hi, Cup of Joe with Joe. This is Creed. I have a lot to go over with everyone, so bear with me. We have 7,060 signatures right now, and I am working on a letter-writing campaign to Greenflower Media because that company in particular works with the top people and doctors in the industry, such as Steve D'Angelo, the creator of Harborside Health Center, which to my knowledge is the largest dispensary in the world. With this company on board, we can take this petition to the next level, and not just with sheer volume of people. Now we're getting into people with scientific data and PhDs, which is what I really think this petition needs. I do agree that this plant needs to be freed completely, but I really believe that having these people on board would allow us to do that more easily. If you want to join this campaign, please write a letter addressed to Max Simon, Greenflower Media, CEO, 4744, Telephone Road, number 3-289, Ventura, California, 93003. I also found out that Snoop Dogg is coming to my neck of the woods, so of course I'm going to go see him and attempt to get him to sign the petition. If he signs it and promotes it, that would really help me on the sheer volume of people side of things. And Wiz Khalifa and him are best friends, so that would most definitely get him back on board because I totally dropped the ball the first time I met him. What I should have said was, Wiz, where is your phone so I can show you? Instead, I gave him a copy of the QR code, which, if he would have scanned it from his phone, would have taken him to the petition. Usually I have people do it on my phone, but in this particular instance, I needed him to sign it on his phone because after you sign it on your phone, it says, one more step, share with your friends and followers on social media, and my phone is connected to my social media, so he needed to sign it on his phone because his phone is connected to his social media. But I was starstruck, so I couldn't get all of that out. But my goal is to send it to Snoop's manager so they will know about it before the show so I won't have the starstruck problem. He should know about it anyways because Wiz Khalifa has the QR code. Recently, I Googled his manager's name, but unfortunately the name that Google comes up with doesn't work with him anymore. If anyone on the show tonight has connections with Snoop Dogg's management team, please let me know. Sorry about the long message. Thanks. Awesome. Well, Creed, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's we're live streaming two different sources now, so 
everything that you said is um, documented and archived. And um, I, I've got to move a little quickly. I'm almost out of time, and I've still got a bunch of guests I got to get to. So exactly. I will. Uh, I do appreciate. Do you want to? Do you want? Do you want? Do you want me to read the ad? Read the address one more time. Yeah. Operator. Please write a letter addressed to Max Simon, Greenflower Media, CEO, 4744, Telephone Road, number 3-289, Ventura, California, 93003. If somebody can type that up, we'll get it on the feed, and uh, we'll go on from there. Well, Creed, you're doing good work. And I like that you just keep on going and you're finding uh, new targets. So you broke 7,000. That's fantastic. And we're going to keep on going. we got uh, 53,000 left to go. Thank you, Craig. Next is 8,000. All right, Craig. Well, I will uh, talk to you again next week, and we'll keep on going. Hopefully we'll be a whole lot closer next week. All right. Creed Leffler, folks. This guy is unstoppable. Exactly. All right. So let's see. We got George Martirano in the hall. Corby's on the line. Good job. All right. You know, we got 15 minutes left, and I think we're going to end up uh, going a little long again today. I know we got got more people to talk, and we got time to talk, and I still got a little stuff to say. So, um, George Martirano. Longtime friend of the show. He's a lifetime member of the Human Solution International. Served 32 years in federal prison for this plant, um, and uh, we're helping him. He's 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 launching himself. He's getting out there, and uh, this guy has not stopped doing good work since I've met him. Um, one of the most inspiring individuals I've ever known, and uh, anybody that knows him probably feels the same. George. Welcome to the show. It's always a pleasure. Hey, Joe. Hi, Liz. How everybody on the West Coast? And uh, E.D. and everybody. How's it going? It's going great. How's everybody? Okay. I hope everybody, all the listeners had a good had a good summer. Yeah. But anyway, uh, storyteller. Forget it. I'll tell you later. The story is. Yeah, the story tonight is uh, last Friday is, uh, was uh, October 5th, and that was my three years since I've been released from prison. I got out of prison on October 5th. So uh, I got up early in the morning, uh, which I usually do, and I was very ecstatic and happy with myself. And then uh, I decided to run all the across uh, town in Philadelphia, well, Hey, George, can you put the phone up closer to your mouth? Can you hear me now? Much better. Much better. Thank you. Anyway, I'm telling a story, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, Friday was my release from prison, October 5th. And uh, I celebrated by getting up uh, very early and uh, having a little treat. And then I I decided before I uh, enriched more into the day, that I jogged all the way across Philly to an attacks office 
and uh, paid my pro- property tax and uh, jogging back about two two miles two up and two miles back jogging back I hit a tiny little almost invisible lip in the cement and I hit that cement very very hard. Oh no! And, uh, at my age, and if I wasn't in good shape, I would probably be in a hospital, honestly, because my rib, my uh, left rib cage is extremely bruised, but not fractured or broken. But I took it as a good sign, not a bad sign, because that fall told told me that it's all not peaches and cream. I still had a lot of work to do. Still had a lot of work to do, and that was my day of of, of total freedom because, incidentally, the day before I got my passport. So, you know, when you get out of prison, you have your probation time, and then uh, you can, if you choose, you can get your passport. So when you get your passport, which I just got, uh, now you're totally free. You are a totally free human being. You're totally free American. So, uh, you know, I was ecstatic. But then I hit the concrete very, very hard. And then uh, wow. I actually sat on the curve and I had uh, an intervention with myself. And I said, I just got a message. Just got a message delivered that I'm still not free. That I still have a lot of work to do. So I uh, wanted to share that with everyone. You know, you know, everyone can do their part, whether it's little or small. To help another, we have to bring home these people incarcerated for cannabis. We have to under, we have to have a more broader understanding about CBD and how it helps people. And uh, I'm open, I'm opening up, as I spoke a few weeks now, the Hip Hemp Cafe in Philadelphia, and it's going to be a place where it's going to help people. I'm even designating jogs, morning a morning jog, afternoon jog, and evening jog. The historical sites in the in Philadelphia where we're going to give you free if you have a chronic knee problem or an ankle problem like I have chronic ankle and you put that CD stabs on before the run okay well we're going to give you that for free but we want you to schedule for a run with the hip hip cafe a jog we want you to donate something whether it's a dollar or more whatever some donate from them donations, they're going to be used for people who are ill but can't afford CBD. So that's what that's we're all about. That's idea. what this show's all about. You know, helping others. There's always a way to help others. But I needed I needed to bang up my body to really give me a wake up call. <laughs> it wasn't about me partying. Yeah, it wasn't about me partying all day. It was about me thinking more. And that's why I came up with the CBD jogs to help others. Wanted to share that with everyone. And uh, Joe, thank you for having me on the show as always. Always a pleasure, George. And I look forward to uh, seeing your spot out there in Philly. And uh, I look forward to seeing you again in person soon. All right, I'll be out. All right, I know. I need. I need. I need to get out there and rest. That's what I need to get with you guys and listen to the coyotes tonight. That's what I need. There we go. Rest it is. That's All what, right. That's what we... All right. All right, everybody. Take care. You bet. We'll talk soon. George Martorano, folks.
Okay, now we're going to get into a full-on, uh, what do you call it, lightning round here. Uh-huh. So we got uh, Glenn Keeling up next, then Pete Yaple, and we had um, we had our defendant from Ohio was on for a minute, and then they dropped off. So if we can get them back on, Glenn, maybe um, after you get done talking, you can get them back on. I want to make sure they get a chance to talk. Glenn Keeling is uh, now officially a board member of the Human Solutions International. He's also a chapter coordinator for the Creative Care Beacon chapter in Ohio. Him and his wife, Peggy, both are both. They're both board members and they're both um, uh, chapter coordinators. And one of the things that I wanted to do with this show was to introduce the new team. So I'm not going to have time to do a whole bunch of this, but why don't you um, – Introduce yourselves and and let people know, you know, you guys were elected as board members and we're very pleased and proud to have you be part of of the leadership team. And um, why don't you, uh, you know, make your introductory comments. Hey, Joe, thank you very much. Um, I'm very proud to be part of the Human Solution. Uh, Being part of the board, being voted on the board was a huge thing and greatly appreciate it. My wife and I... uh, we do everything we can to keep the human solution statement and keep Ohio proud, really. Um, we do have a attorney conference coming up Friday morning at 845 for our case. Um, another attorney conference. Um, she posted how you can get a hold of us. Um, real easy. We're on Facebook. Uh, if you're going through something, it doesn't matter whether it's here in Ohio or another state, there's a Human Solution International chapter close to you. You've got to reach out, talk to somebody. You know, uh, we don't know you need help unless you reach out. Um, other than that, I, I don't know what else to say other than um, thank you for uh, allowing my wife and I to be on the board and, and to continue working with Human Solution. Well, uh, I think the most important thing would be how did somebody get a hold of you if they need to uh, reach out and, and, and be connected to a human solution chapter? Uh, the Creative Care Beacon, the Ohio chapter of the Human Solution International. Um, you can find me or my wife on Facebook. My name is Glenn Keeling. My wife is Peggy Kimmel. Uh, or you can just simply give me a call at 419-863-0498. Excellent. All right, Glenn. Well, I appreciate uh, you checking in, and um, we're going to be introducing every board member uh, in the next few weeks. Um, and you know, I just want to be—I want to be very clear. I'm very, very grateful to everybody that voted. We had uh, the highest turnout of voting that we've had since we began elections. Um, the people spoke, and the team that is in place is a solid team, and just. Um, couldn't be prouder, and, I, and I'm watching the A-team grow, and I'm watching people take a more um, personal interest in the work we're doing, and um, our membership is growing. And it's not just, you know, people throwing 10, 15 bucks into a hat. It's people putting their name in the hat and saying, hey, I, I want to do what you guys are doing. I want to be part of this. I see you guys have the heart. Uh, you guys have the soul that it takes to do this, and uh, I want to be part of the winning team. So 
that's what's going on. Glenn, always a pleasure. Hopefully uh, Peggy's feeling pretty good now, and <clears throat> we're always supporting you guys, um, both uh, your physical trials and, of course, your, um, your, your case trial that's going on as well. Thank you. <clears throat> thank you. Thank you very much. She uh, she has an infusion coming up tomorrow morning. Um, it's an ochreous infusion um, for her MS. Um, but yeah, just proud to to be part of the Human Solution. Uh, great group of people. Uh, love everybody. Worked with quite a few real close. And, and man, just really honored to be part of this. Right on. Well, it's a it's a mutual. Admiration Club, my friend. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you soon, Glenn. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Glenn Keeling, Creative Care Beacon. All right, I got two more guests and three and a half minutes, and I still got a little something I want to say. Um, I got one story I'll put off till next week, but this is something that I, I, I keep referencing because I've, I've been reading. Um, it's a long it's a long book, but it's a story of George Washington, and um, I'm a little more than halfway through it. And the whole Revolutionary War was a very uh, arduous event, and the people that made it possible for us to be free was not everybody. <laughs> and, and let me be very clear. Many, 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 many people, the, almost the majority of the people in the colonies at the time of the Revolutionary War when the, when the Articles of Confederation were in play were not necessarily supportive of the Continental Army. And there were farms that didn't feed the soldiers. The soldiers that, that stood tall in this were often barefoot, often had rags for clothes, and this is not an exaggeration. Um, this was not a united front as much as you might think it was. It came very close to there being 13 separate armies rather than one united front. And there was, and, and I keep referencing this because it reminds me so much of our own movement. There are so many cannabis supporters that don't support the movement, that don't support the soldiers, that don't support the warriors, that don't support the people that are willing to sacrifice their freedom, their lives, their personal property uh, to, to make change for everybody. Most of the people, the businesses especially, don't help. In fact, they're half the problem. They attack each other. They, they don't do shit to help us finish this off. They, most of the time, and I paint with a broad brush, but it's a pretty accurate broad brush. I've put out the word for months and months and months for any business to come and tell us what you're doing to help us. We got one or two counting mine. That's it. How many cannabis businesses are there? <laughs> How many are helping? <laughs> yeah. There were townspeople and farmers during the time of the Revolutionary War that were selling their resources to the British Army rather than make them available to the Revolutionary soldiers. And there were 
people inside the Continental Congress and other generals and other members that tried to usurp the power, or not tried to usurp the power, sorry, tried to take the power away from George Washington, who rightly deserved what he got. And the whole time George Washington was fighting this war, leading his men, he did so in such a way that was honorable in, in the sense that he could have imposed his will on the acting government. He always allowed them to act, and he always made it to where their actions he would he would respect. He always wanted, he was fighting for the opposite of tyranny, so he didn't want to become a tyrant. And he was always mindful of that. And, you know, again, I don't have a whole lot of people in my life that I look up to, but the more I learn about this guy, and he wasn't perfect. He had slaves. And, you know, although his, his opinions about his slaves changed over his life, it was that he was a slave owner. He ran his farms with them. And, you know, as, as wrong as that may have been, um, and that's one of the lessons here. We're humans. We're all humans. And sometimes we're part of the problem, and sometimes we're part of the solution. And I implore you, I implore you, every single one of you, to take a minute during this show, after this show, sometime on your own time, take stock of your actions. Take stock of yourself. And you know what? You might have done something great last week, last month, last year, yesterday. But at the end of the day... We haven't accomplished our goals yet. We're not done. And you may have done things that, that will endear me to you for the rest of your life. There are many people that I can say that about. But the truth is I need people to help me today. I need people to help me tomorrow. And I need to help people that will walk and trudge through the snow until we get the job done to do what it takes to free ourselves to demand an end of prohibition, not to demand to be taxed and regulated, not to demand to limit our freedoms. I'm looking for the people that are willing to stand with me and end this once and for all and do what it takes. Okay, I'm advocating a peaceful revolution, and I'm advocating a willingness to stand here with you and help end it. Please, participate. All right, we got Pete Yapel, and then finally Tom Corby to wrap it up. We are officially in overtime. Pete Yapel is uh, uh, blowing me away. He, this man just keeps on going, him and his wife, Helen. Um, and I just found out they're going to come visit here towards the end of the month. So I'm super stoked. I was able to go and see them first, but they're coming to see me next. So um, they'll be out here the first, uh, the very first of November. Anyways, uh, Pete, uh, I don't even know where to begin with you guys. You just keep pulling <laughs> me away with your progress. So I'm just going to let you talk. How about that? <laughs> hey, listen, we get, we've got a few things coming up. We're uh, I've got like four speaking engagements uh, at some freedom rallies that are going on in the upstate and then one down in Long Island. And um, then we're obviously yeah we're coming out to see you guys we we can't wait to get out there uh, we uh, finally finalized everything today and uh, and we're super stoked just like you guys are believe me man we are really super stoked to get out there um, 
But we're um, we're still doing that, teaching our classes. We just had there was just a huge successful event out in uh, Sugarloaf, New York, and Denise Orzik rocked Willow Creek Springs. I mean, oh, yeah. she literally rocked it out there. Um, <laughs> Uh, it was awesome. I mean, I went in, there, you know, I went in there to look and I to to, to help her out with maybe, you know, uh, seeing what to do to help her expand. And uh, she pretty much carries everything. But we figured out a few things. But I looked and I said, "Man, you're beat up." And she goes, "Oh yeah, man, we sold and sold and sold." So I was like, "That's awesome." I was glad to hear that. I, I truly was. Uh, uh, but we got a ton of stuff going on, Joe. Uh, the TV show is still going on uh, strong. We. Uh, we're uh, speaking at these rallies. I mean, it's it, it's what we can do uh, to represent, you know, the human solution the best we can, and we're continuing to make noise. And the more noise we're making, the more attention we're getting. The more attention we're getting, the further ahead I believe we're getting, because uh, people are starting to understand the real message. And the real message isn't it is to can stop can taking <laughs> crumbs and handouts. I mean, why are we continuing if we know? Listen. If we know, and the government knows, and the world government knows, because I can tell you they shook their head as I spoke, knows that <laughs> that we have an endocannabinoid system, and this plant could never do us any harm but only good, why are we going through this anymore? I mean, it's just, it's again, the word is ridiculum. It is complete and utter ridiculum. Uh, and that's what I got on that. But, hey, we stand tall with you guys. You know we do. Uh, the Human Solution International is always the first words out of our mouth. When we, when, we, when we talk, solidarity flies right off our lips. It's one of the first two things that fly off. If it's not, if it's not can we talk first or the other way, it's always right behind each other. And uh, they go because they do go hand in hand. We appreciate you guys. Uh, if you need us, reach out to us. Uh, 845-522-3162 is my cell number. You can also find us on Facebook at Solidarity Over Separation uh, or at www.canowetalk420.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And uh, got a lot. Oh, man, things are just blowing up, and we're we're loving it. So I look forward to talking to you tomorrow on the call, and I look forward to seeing you guys in person uh, in a couple of weeks. Awesome. Uh, we're looking forward to it too. All right, Helen. I, I, you guys always have a place here. Don't even think twice. Wonderful. I can't wait. I'm so excited. <laughs> All right. Well, I will talk to you very soon. Well, I, we're down. We're we're in overtime, so we're gonna fall forward and. Uh, I know. I made a quick joke. Yeah. All right, we'll talk to you guys soon. Pete and Helen Yapel, folks. And, again, uh, Pete is a board member. I, I poorly introduced him, and he's also our secretary. So um, next time he comes on, we're going to talk about that. Uh, and I think it's important that everybody understands the leadership team that they elected and who we are and what we're about, and hopefully it will inspire you to step up and uh, be a more active part in ending prohibition. All right, here we go, folks. Tom Corby to wrap it up. And uh, I'm hoping, Tom, how are you doing? I understand that you uh, um, were in the hospital. What happened? Uh, thanks, Joe, Mary, and Becca, George Montreal, the Coffee Party Radio Show. Uh, I, I, 
uh, it was breaking in. He opened us so much. He's now the Duke County Human Solution uh, International Coordinator, and uh, I have a herniated disc in my right back, and uh, it's a tough one. Uh, I had an MRI yesterday, and it doesn't look serious enough to operate. Um, getting some therapy, and it's it's been a tough one, Joe. And I, I think back uh, six, seven years ago when we first got busted, and if you've never been there, you don't want to have to do this. We've all been through. Uh, when 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 you get busted, uh, I like to read it on this card. You 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 will be scared. You're going to be bad. You're going to be lost, and you're going to be alone. You won't know where to go. You're going to be afraid. They're going to break you. You'll be broke. Do you know your rights? You're going to be unsure and intimidated. Believe it, the Human Solution International can help with that and application. Application is a huge word. Uh, well, after we got busted, my wife and I got out of jail after four days. Uh, actually, uh, I didn't think we were going to make it. The place was all tore up. All our bank accounts were closed. Took all our medicine. And we came very close to just saying, we can't do it. I mentioned my friend Toby Williams. I just left today. Uh, had he not come with that big white pad, and the first word on that big white pad was discovery. And he told me, when you get your police report, first discovery, you're going to see all these BS charges and how everything's been overinflated. It's going to start working your case with, with, with your attorneys and advocates with the different chapters international. He said, this is what they have on you, and we're going to start building your case, and we're going to have way more than they do. And yes, we do. We fought for about over four years and went to six uh, six pre-trial trials alone. I want to thank Joe coming up for a couple of our free trials. We learned that if you come for a defendant or you're a defendant and you get busted when you get out, you will be scared. And if you let them scare you, they will win. The first thing you do always is find out what exactly they have against you and you start writing a statement and start working your own case. You want to come with a 995 dismiss probable cause motion. And as uh, Trevor's warned on probable cause, most of these cases, there isn't any probable cause. And of course, a lot of them in there, they, they won't let you bring any, uh, all the evidence in. 
And, of course, they don't want to bring the, the evidence in because they know that the, the evidence is uh, And don't forget to breathe. Okay, well, thanks, Joe. And uh, for another historical radio show, and believe me, folks, these were historical times. The vision of finding any probation in all of the OWs. No one should go to jail for our plan. I want to thank you all today. Uh, let's bring in Willie. All right. Um, and and have, have uh, Frank get a hold of me. Um, I, I, I got some things I'm going to send you. So just have Frank get a hold of me, and I'll make sure I take care of you. I hear that. You want me to call you tonight? Yeah, yeah. Give me a call after the show. All right, cool. Yeah, All right, everybody. Yeah. Um, you bet. Love you back. All right, everybody. You know, it's been a great show. Uh, we went a little bit long again. Um, for everybody who gets what we're doing, uh, this is the real deal. We We make a difference in people's lives on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And whoever you are, whatever you do, there's always more that can be done. Until we're done, we're not. And until we're done, there's always a handful of people doing the work. And the more people that help, the less the rest of us have to do, and the better we can do it. So I'm really looking to make a push. Let's grow. Let's, um, let's stand together united. Let's put our shit aside, put our differences aside, and decide to start working together. Um, We can end Prohibition. Let's do it. We'll talk to you next week. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse The Human Solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done You were always on